please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hey, welcome to the Science of Light. I'm Rosemary, back with another solo episode today. This one will be sandwiched in between some epic interviews. Um, If you missed the one with Amber, definitely check it out, Um, especially right now because Venus is on the forefront of our minds right now. And if you don't know why, I suggest signing up for my email list or joining my Facebook group because I go over those kind of things there. Um, and then, or also follow me on Instagram because sometimes I post usually less thorough versions on Instagram and Facebook and where we really deep dive into them is either in the Facebook group or in my email list. I send out now, not only for every new moon and full moon, but for the month I will send like a yogi scope, which is what I, you know, Um, That's where you can find me, yogiscopes, yogiscopes.com. So what a yogiscope is, is it's kind of a look at the upcoming, whatever the astrological event is, whether it's a new moon, full moon, or like the month ahead. We look at the, like, the kind of energies at play of the astrology. And then in the email list, I send out sign by sign um, interpretations, not only of like how exactly that energy might impact you individually just based on one placement in your chart. So you would still need like maybe a reading to get even more in depth, but the the sign by sign is pretty, pretty in depth. And I think pretty accurate usually. Um, so you get that and not only do you get the energy, but also some yoga practices that I think would be beneficial to work with that energy. So remember that Yoga practice is not only asana. Sometimes I recommend asanas like physical postures, but most of the time it's something more like a svadhyaya technique, like a self-study technique or a meditation technique often um, or a mantra. So you could also go back and check out the eight limbs episode I did just a few episodes ago pretty recently to learn more about other types of yoga practice other than just the physical practice. Um, But those are the things I often send out in my Yogi scopes, yogi, yoga practices, horoscopes that include yoga practices. So that's why I love Vedic astrology, tangent, side note, soapbox over Western astrology or, you know, you're like classic newspaper horoscopes, magazine horoscopes is because it's not just like, here's what's happening. It's like, here's what's happening and here's how you can work with that energy to make your life better, right? Anyway, so that's my email list. Sign up for that. Shameless self-plug. But today we're here to talk about work-life balance and offer a yogic and astrological perspective on work-life balance. Because I don't know about you all, but for me most of the time it feels like one or the other is drawing me there. Like either I'm being pulled away from work because I have life stuff going on and I feel less focused on my work, whether that be because of family obligations or like I got married this summer, you know what I mean? Like just life stuff. So I didn't put out a podcast episode the week of our wedding because I was focused more on life, right? Than 
than work. Um, and so in order to try and strike a balance, now I'm working towards having podcast episodes recorded in advance so that I don't have to miss any weeks for you all when I'm um, away doing life stuff, right? So, so it's all about finding a balance. And in some ways, yoga practice is all about finding a balance, all about finding that middle path, right? So, so in a broad sense, that's what we're here to do, right? Find that balance. But yoga philosophy also gives us lots of other tools, right? To dive more in depth into finding that balance, what whatever that balance is related to. And here we're talking about work-life balance. So I first of all want to say I think it's okay if sometimes you feel more drawn in one direction than the other. I think that's totally valid. And I think um, maybe sometimes you should focus a little bit more on life than work. Or sometimes you just need to put your head down and say sorry to your family or your housemates and put your head down and they might not see you as much because you're in a season of focusing more on work than life. And we go through these cycles, right? I think it just becomes, you have to make sure that you're not getting stagnant or stuck in one or the other. And so now we'll get into some of the tools to notice this, to work with it, to notice the energies that are at play. One of them, I'm not really going to super go over on this podcast episode. I will have upcoming um, podcast episodes about living seasonally. So like I kind of introduced in a couple episodes ago, I think it was episode 22 or 3 about living um, in alignment with the seasons through Ayurveda. So we talked about the doshas in that episode. We talked about how the doshas rule... um, different times of day, different times of life, and even seasons. So I introduced that there. So if you want to go back and listen to that, please do. Otherwise, keep a lookout for the upcoming episodes. I So I'm going to put out some episodes for living seasonally or um, Vata season because we're about to enter Vata season, which actually if you want to come in person and learn more about that, you can come to my Harvest Moon mini retreat because it falls on the fall equinox, which is kind of an, a small entry into Vata season, like into fall season. So I'll have some upcoming episodes or maybe one episode I haven't decided yet about how to live in alignment with Vata season based on your dosha, but we'll also have even more in-depth resources about that at the in-person mini retreat coming up in September. Um, I've been talking about it, but so you can come to that, you can learn about it or keep an eye out for further episodes. But then what I'm really here to talk about is the four aims of life. So these are the Purusharthas, often credited to come from Buddhism, but as we know, Buddhism and yoga philosophy are, they kind of like, maybe their own separate trees, but they, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Like they came from the same place. They have um, the same origins, right? So, so they have a lot of overlap and we can see, um, mention of the four aims of life in both the Upanishads, which is an ancient yogic text. Um, and I guess some ancient Buddhist texts, but I'm not really as well versed in Buddhism, except for where it has overlaps with yoga philosophy. And this is one of the things. So 
the four aims of life, as I usually do, I'll go ahead and list them and then I'll talk about how you can see them um, astrologically and then so how you can then kind of work with them. Um, so I also want to say I, I made a companion worksheet to go along with this episode. It's called the Dharma Worksheet. And so I'll, of course, have that linked in the show notes and on my little link in bio on my social medias when you go there. Um, you can find it. It's free. So you just have to go and you download it um, from that link. And it will help you kind of see what your balance is here related to either your birth chart or um, the transits or just maybe even... So if you're not super sold on astrology, you don't even have to look into your birth chart at all. You could just kind of do some reflection on how these concepts show up in your life. Um, But I think, for me personally, I think looking at the birth chart helps give me like a starting place. But anyway, so I'll tell you what they are. I'll tell you how to spot them, um, how to balance them, etc. So it's going to sound really complicated. It's going to sound like I'm making this work-life balance thing even more complicated. But then hopefully at the end we'll wrap it up and it'll be nice and simplified for you, especially if you use that companion worksheet. We'll help um, find some clarity related to this in your own life, I hope. That is my intention by talking about this, bringing it up, and making the worksheet. So number one is Dharma. Maybe you've heard of Dharma before, like your life purpose, your life path. Um, I mention it kind of a lot. And for some of you, um, this this previous full moon was kind of activating some dharma work for you if you were on my email list you saw about that um and then the second one is artha which is the pursuit of wealth okay so that that is one aim of life i know sometimes it seems like the goal is to just be this spiritually aligned being and um drop out from the world anyway we'll get there the this philosophy recognizes that we have to live a comfortable life um in this world, which means pursuing some wealth or pursuing some means, right? Some assets. And then third is comma. So we're not just meant to be like, I think this, I like, because I grew up in Christianity and like very serious Episcopalianism and also kind of the Baptist church, which was a little bit hellfire and brimstone. So, um, anyway, comma, like we are supposed to find pleasure in this lifetime. And so maybe you've heard of the Kama Sutra, and maybe you've seen it in like Spencer's back in the day or whatever. I don't know. Y'all remember Spencer's? Anyway, um, the little like uh, kind of vulgar gift store. Anyway, um, so com- like it's not just related to sex. And actually the Kama Sutra isn't. It's just been kind of like appropriated that way in our culture to be like a sex manual. But that's not all it's about. Um, one of the aims of life is enjoying life. Imagine that, right? Like it's not all hellfire and brimstone. It's not all serious all the time. We are supposed to find some enjoyment in this life. Um, but we also can't go too far down that path of just playing all the time. Right. And then number four is moksha, which is like spiritual liberation. Um, I kind of went over that. It's very analogous to the concept of samadhi, which is the eighth limb of yoga. So you could go back to that episode, the eight limbs, or if you remember listening to it, um, very similar concepts, moksha and samadhi. It's like 
nirvana, spiritual liberation, like all the different concepts we can think of related to that, reaching heaven, whatever it is. Um, but with a with the notion that you can find it in this lifetime, in this body, in this on this earth, like it's not something only promised to you after you die. You can find that kind of sense of ease and spiritual liberation in this lifetime. So dharma, life purpose, morals, artha, the pursuit of wealth and a comfortable life, kama, pleasure, um, enjoying life, love, you know, stuff like that. And then moksha, spiritual liberation, spiritual values. So those are the four. Um, we'll go over each one more in depth and talk about where you can see it in an astrology chart. So the reason I say that, um, I recommend maybe you go look up your birth chart. If you haven't already, you can go to my website, yogiscopes.com and just look in the top navigation bar. There's a thing that says chart calculator. You just click on that. It's free. You don't even have to type in your email address. You're welcome. Um, if you don't want to, I, I try to send you all a lot of value in the emails that I send and like not spam. Um, the, the sign by sign emails actually take me like a lot of time. So I put a lot of love into them. Anyway, side note, you can just go and you can calculate your chart. Um, and if you have any questions about how to see which house is which, you can ask me, but also rest assured that I'm putting out a blog post ASAP to help with that. Um, so if you don't already know, sit tight, reach out and ask me, Google it, whatever. Um, just know that your ascendant, in a, in a quick nutshell, um, what shows up there is your ascendant is the top little diamond in the chart that pops up on the right-hand side, which is your first house, and then it moves around counterclockwise from there. So the one immediately to the left of it, a little half diamond would be your second house. And then it just moves around by the long edges, just like you, you would think. Um, and you can count the houses. You could like print it out and write them on there. So you don't forget anyway. So each house, uh, is associated with one of these aims of life. And so this can be seen either in your birth chart. If you have a lot of placements in that house, um, that might mean you have a natural tendency or certain placements in that house. You might have a natural tendency towards that aim of life. Um, that might be kind of in your karma for this lifetime to uh, be more oriented towards one or the other. Like like I was saying, like some people might be more orient oriented towards artha, towards like the pursuit of wealth, than karma. Like maybe they're a workaholic more so than... They play, you know, maybe they never have fun or maybe they play too much and they've got a lot of comma placements perhaps. Um, so we'll get into that. Um, but then you can also, it can also be seen by transits and that's what I send out in the emails. So go ahead and jump on my email list for this Friday when it's going out for September. And so you'll be able to see basically when a planet moves into a sign, um, you can find on your birth chart what house that sign is in. And then based on this information, you could see kind of what area of your life or what aim of life that um, transit, that movement of the planets, that like the astrological weather right now is kind of activating in your, in your life or pulling you in the direction towards. So I'll go ahead and use an example 
for my life. And hopefully this is clear. Please reach out to me with any questions you might have. So Rahu, which is the North Node of the Moon, it represents like insatiable desire. Um, it kind of puts, it pulls you towards that area of your life. It can even bring some like addictive tendencies to that area of your life is in my birth chart. It's in my career house. Um, and so it's always opposite of K2, which is spiritualizing. It cuts you away, removes you from a certain area of life. And K2 is in my home house. So with that placement in my birth chart, it kind of makes me naturally a workaholic a little bit. Like that's why I have no desire to be a stay at home mom. Um, not that I don't love my child, but I need that identity of having a career. I need to show up in the world. I just like, I, let me tell you how validating that was to find that out. Right. Like, cause I've always felt that way. And then I found it in my birth chart and I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. Um, so you might have something else. It might not just be those two houses, but, um, anyway, so right now the opposite transit is happening. Rahu, which brings this insatiable desire, really pulls me toward that area of life, is transiting my house that represents the home. And K2, which cuts you away, but also brings a spiritualizing nature, is in my house of career. And right now, as y'all know, I keep like, I'll just like randomly miss a week of an epi- a podcast episode because like my kid got sick or something. I have a toddler, so I'm very much like pulled in the area of the home right now. Like the home is the balance is a little bit out of whack for me. Like in my natural tendency, I tend to have a more tendency towards working a lot. Right. But right now it's almost like it's balancing me, me out. Right. Um, because I tend to like work a lot and be a workaholic. And then right now, based on this transit, it's pulling me more towards the home. And so I'm not in showing up in my career and in the world as much as I would like, but in reality, it's probably a little bit more balanced. So that's one example for my own chart. So you can find this stuff in your chart based on either your birth chart. So the worksheet will help a lot with that. You can, that's, you know, so you're not having to do it in your head, kind of like you might be if you're listening to this. So you'll get the, the worksheet and your birth chart, um, both will be linked in the show notes and the link in my bio and all that stuff. I try to make it nice and easy for y'all to find and you'll kind of compare. So if you're also like, if you've made it this far and you're not into astrology, thank you for listening. Um, but then, um, you can just do the worksheet based on like the way you feel like you don't have to bring your birth chart into it. That just adds another layer of clarity of, something to think about, right? So you can just kind of look at your life and and what do you do a lot and how do you show up, right? Like, do you have a lot of hobbies or do you just work all the time, right? These kind of things. And so you'll do that in the worksheet. Um, So it'll lay it out nice and clear in the worksheet. All you have to do is go download it, download it at the link. It'll be in my bio, on my website, blah, blah, blah. Try to make it easy to find. So anyway, now we'll go more into depth into each aim of life. So Dharma, as you might know, um, so they say Dharma is the first one because the other ones should kind of rest on top of it. And it's almost like Dharma is number one. And then with the use of Artha, that, that 
pursuit of wealth and comma, that pursuit of pleasure with the balance of those two. Um, once those two are in line with, with your dharma, uh, you're able to then find moksha or that spiritual liberation or just a general sense of ease in your life. So that's kind of why they're laid out. Like usually in these ancient yoga philosophies, things are put in an order for a purpose. And so that's what I think the the purpose of this order is, right? So you have a purpose in this life. And maybe if you haven't found it or if you find yourself in a season where you're just because I've been there too. Like I feel you. If you're just working a job that doesn't really feel like in line with your life purpose or you're not really sure what your life purpose is, that's okay. Like I spent 10 years of my life in food service and running a cleaning business. Like I, that stuff, that was art though, right? That was pursuit of things to pay the bills so that I could survive, right? And that's okay. So maybe you're in a season of that, right? And maybe that will be your season for a long time. Um, I'm not saying you just have to snap and switch and like go be a spiritual ascetic to align with your dharma in this lifetime, right? Like it, do- it doesn't have to be that cut and dry. Um, like especially if you have kids, sometimes it's like uh, you. C- I found this myself. I speak for myself. I try to use I statements all the time because I don't want to project or at least when I am projecting, I want you to know that that's what it is. Um, I'm speaking from my experience, and so I think it might be valid for some other folks. Um, When I didn't have a child, I found it easier to be a little vagrant. I didn't need as much stability as I do now. So if you do have a kid or kids, uh, that Artha piece becomes a lot more important because kids need stability. And so you have to have, you have to provide that for them. Right. Uh, so, so maybe you're in a season in your life where Artha is a little bit more um, at the forefront. Forefront, anyway. So, but hopefully you have some idea of your Dharma, of um, your your moral values, basically. So that's one way to look at it: is your values. What is your moral compass? Um, are you conscious of your actions and your words? Like, are they in an aligned place with how you want to show up in the world? Um, and do you, so, so it's not only your purpose, like maybe, so like with this podcast, this is very much, I feel like I need to share this stuff because yoga is what helped me out of a really dark place in my life, right? Like that's my dharma to share that. Um, but like I was saying, it wasn't always that way. When I first started on this path, I, d- I worked in food service. And for the first, like, three years, I was a yoga teacher. I cleaned houses. And I was only a yoga teacher part-time. Anyway. Um, but even before that, even before every day, I was, like, teaching yoga all day in one shape or form or another like I am now. Uh, I had a moral compass, which is dharma. Right? So um, I think that's... That's what it comes down to. And so even if you're working in a job that just pays the bills, I don't think that's all there is to dharma, right? Um, so the next is is artha, is, is prosperity, is that pursuit of wealth. So in some societies, like in India, for example, it is set up to where people can be 
in our society too, but not for like yoga really, I don't think. Like Christians don't have to pay taxes, for example, and people go to church and they tithe. Um, That's their pursuit of wealth because they need that to survive, right? And then in India and stuff, they have like monks and people go to the monks and they donate to them and that's how the monks survive. Um, And so that works. And so that's why I'm also like, this is a tough one, especially if you want to be a yoga teacher or otherwise like spiritual, whatever, and you feel bad charging for this stuff because it's like, I do too sometimes. I'm like, I don't own this knowledge, this ancient wisdom. Um, I kind of just channel it. I've studied a lot. I have an embodied understanding, but, but I don't own it. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm sure y'all know what, like it's hard. It feels sometimes bad to charge for this kind of stuff or, um, whatever, but that's the, that's the capitalistic society that we live in. And that's the beautiful thing about the four aims of life is that it acknowledges that, um, we have to work. We have to live. We have to have food to eat. We have to have shelter. Uh, you know, see also Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, I've brought that up a couple times, but so you can look at it that way, but you can also look at what do you value? You know, some folks might ha- have a really high tendency towards Artha, um, maybe a strong Venus perhaps in their chart. Um, and so they like luxury, but some people are minimalists and they like to get by with less and that's okay. You know, like it can show up in a lot of different ways. So the idea is to get really in touch with what you value. Um, hopefully do some work that serves society. And yes, food service and cleaning houses counts. People need those jobs um, or whatever, you know, service industry, just because you're not a yoga teacher or a spiritual guru, like People need stuff cleaned and food made and whatever. So as long as you really love it and it pays your bills and hopefully also you're not taking too many resources, like more than you can use, then you're aligned with Artha, right? Oh, and I forgot. So Dharma can be seen in houses one, five, and nine. So that's your first house, the top diamond, and then you count around counterclockwise to see the other houses um, and reach out to me if you have any questions, if it gets confusing. Artha is houses 2, 6, and 10, which makes sense. So the second house represents your finances. The sixth house represents kind of like your day-to-day life and also your debts. Um, and the 10th house is the house of career. So like where I was saying I have Rahu, Rahu I have this like workaholic tendency because I have Rahu in the 10th house, which is the house of career. I just like really have to work. I just, you know what I mean? Like I've always said that, like I have to, I can't not work. It drives me insane if I don't. And so that's one way, you know, Artha, I have a, a tendency towards that. Um, and then, so that could be, you look at your birth chart for these, but you also look at placements. So like I was saying, um, I have, uh, We'll get there. So the fourth house of the home is is a moksha house. Anyway, we'll get there. So comma, next, pleasure is, so like I was saying, it's not just um, sex, although that is included. Um, It includes, like, what do you find joy in? It could be hobbies. 
It could be um, relationships and also, you know, intimacy. It could be spiritual pleasure. It could be, um, you know, just little simple pleasure, like big or small pleasure. Like what do you enjoy in this life? What do you do to unwind? What do you do um, to find joy? What brings you joy? So that could be spiritual in nature. That could be like a hobby or an activity or a person. You know, maybe your love language is quality quality time like mine is perhaps, you know. Um, So the Upanishads has this beautiful quote, as is your desire, so is your will. As is your will, so is your deed. As is your deed, so is your destiny. So that kind of ties it up beautifully. Um, that's like a little so so that kind of puts it in a way where it's like the your desire kind of drives your artha and dharma towards your moksha, right? Like what you want to do, you will do, and so you'll work towards that that stuff. Um and then that will become your de- destiny, whether that's good or bad, right? Um, so I love that quote. I'll put it somewhere so that you can remember it. Um, but, yeah, are you are you being too much of a workaholic? Or are you shirking work a little bit for pleasure sometimes, right? So that's the balance there between um, artha and kama. And hopefully both of those things are in line with your dharma. Hopefully, um, like I get a lot of pleasure from practicing yoga. And that's part of how I realized that being a yoga teacher was part of my dharma, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Um, It could be that you enjoy yoga practice. It makes you a better person. And you take that off your mat and back into your whatever unrelated career you're in, right? Um, And that could still be dharma because it's serving some greater purpose in the world some greater purpose within you and so we can see all this stuff in your birth chart not just based on the houses but so if if you'd like a little extra clarity a reading will really help and then last is moksha oh yeah so comma is houses three seven and eleven so third house kind of represents your hobbies um seventh house is relationships and eleven is gains from career and also network circles. So that's what I was saying. So it's not just your intimate partner relationships, although you hopefully do get pleasure from that if you're in a partnership or if you're not, if you're dating, whatever. Hopefully that brings you some pleasure. That's why we do it, right? Um, But then also, so like your friends, your network circles, um, what you do, like when you do make money from working that goes above and beyond just putting food in your mouth and a roof over your head. What do you spend that on? Do you go on trips? Does buying stuff bring you pleasure? I don't know. Whatever it is, right? Do you have hobbies that bring you pleasure? That's how that can be seen. And then lastly, um, when you live your dharma fully supported by artha and kama, you will find liberation or moksha. So the most... Explicit definition of moksha is freedom from the cycle of death and rebirth, but it can also be seen as freedom from ignorance. So when I talked about, if you go back to that Klesha's episode, I talked about that a lot, what like freedom from ignorance and right knowing and kind of what that means. So if you already listened to that, you know what I mean by that, or you can go back and listen to some of the nuances there. Um, But it could also be like self-realization 
or just an awareness of the divine, a connection with the divine, um, spiritual experiences, a sense of ease, right? Um, removal of obstacles, kind of that's what we do in a physical yoga practice. We're trying to let prana move more freely, remove the obstacles and barriers in our own body, um, and just living up to your potential. So that's why it's like it can be seen as like nirvana or going to heaven or whatever, but I think it shows up in a lot of ways. I also talked about this with Samadhi in the Eight Limbs episode. Like it's not something that you have to wait to die to achieve or experience. Um, it's just a this sense of groundedness in, in what is true, a sense of groundedness in your capital S self rather than your little S self. Like talked about that a lot in the Clacia's episode. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't already or listen to it again. Um, so here's a quote related to that that I think sums it up really well. So it's, it's self-discipline that is so perfect it becomes unconscious. So I talk about this with the habit stuff too. Like when you're not having to try really hard to do the right stuff, to live a life of ease. When you have good habits so your life feels full of ease. So And it brings inner purity, an alert mind, reason and intelligence and an awareness of the divine, all of that beautiful stuff. It can be seen in houses four, which is the house of home, eight, and 12. And I often say the eighth house, it has this connection to Scorpio. It has this connection to the death card in tarot. And the 12th house is kind of like the eighth house on steroids, I say sometimes. Um, It's like the eighth house's big sibling. It's a spiritual liberation house. It's where it can also be seen like, Travels and retreats and meditation practice can be seen in the 12th house. So these spiritual pursuits. And then isn't that interesting that it's also the fourth house of the home? But so that can also be seen as like your inner world. Like how tumultuous does it feel like inside of you? You know, do you find a sense of ease in your inner being, in your inner world? Um, and also your home. Isn't that amazing? You know, sometimes I think kids are like, the ultimate, being a parent is like the ultimate spiritual experience. We talked about that again on the just immediately previous episode of this one with Amber. Um, yeah, it's a spiritual awakening to become a parent. So sorry if you're here and you're not a parent. Um, I talk about it a lot. It's it's a forefront of my life right now. So you can see these things. That's how they show up. You can see, you can either use your birth chart and the current transits, um, or you can use that worksheet. And just kind of jot down. I've got it organized places you can write down and some some questions to help you uh, jog you along. Um, where you can write down stuff in different areas. It's actually really similar to the Japanese Ikigai. I kind of based my worksheet a little bit on that. But it's not exactly that because I adapted it to be the four aims of life. But I don't know if you've ever seen the Ikigai before where it's like... Um, what are you good at? What do you love to do? What does the world need? And what can you get paid for? Right? So you can see the parallels there. And ideally, you want to do something that is all four of those things. But it's okay, right? Again, if you're pulled in one direction or the other or a couple directions. So check that out. 
Let me know if you have any questions related to the worksheet, related to your birth chart, if you're having a hard time interpreting what's in which house for you. I love hearing from you all, so please reach out on any of my channels, um, yogiscopes.com. There's like a contact page where you can email me. You can also email rosemary at yogiscopes.com, Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S.com, yogiscopes on Facebook, Instagram. Um, join the astrology Facebook group where we also go more into depth into the current transits and how they may be affecting you. It's a great place to ask questions and not just get answers from me, but answers from the nice little community we're building there. So we'd love to have you. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being here. And remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars and stay in the light. I'm grateful you're here until next time.